Hi and welcome to the Rags to Riches show with myself, Terry Blackburn. So this podcast is all about inspiring you, motivating you, pushing you on to achieve more in your life, whether that's in business, property, your health and fitness, your personal life, every part of your life. This podcast hopefully will help you achieve more, do more and get to where you want to be. So just before the episode starts, I have just launched a new website called terryblackburnproperty.com. On there, I've got all of the services that I offer. So one-to-one coaching in business, property, time management, goal setting, sales, persuasion, loads of different things on there. I've got some online courses, some one-to-one coaching courses as well. So please have a look on there. Really appreciate your support. And if you want to get involved and you want some more specific help from me, you want some more one-to-one coaching and, and assistance from me to help you to get to where you want to be, it's all on there also got a couple of books on amazon and audible the be a lion which has won multiple awards worldwide now and the power of peas is the new one all about the different p words profit power perspective purpose etc i hope you'll really enjoy one last thing from me if you enjoy these podcasts and you benefit from them you learn from them all i ask is that you share it with your friends and family or someone who you think the episode is relevant to you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, that would massively help. The more shares we get, the bigger guests I can get on the podcast, the more people we can help and the more I can grow the show. So thank you so much. Get in touch if you like what you're listening to and don't just take notes, take action. So today's episode is a how-to guide on HMOs. Now, they are more complicated than buy-to-lets. They are more money than buy-to-lets. And the reason that they're more money or because they are more money or because they will earn you more money, they're obviously going to be a little bit harder. Just like certain businesses that produce more cash flow are typically harder than other businesses because the ROI is better, okay? So even with high interest rates, even with high utility bills, HMOs are stacking a lot better than buy-to-lets. Currently, as I'm saying this, in September 2023. So I'm going to give you a how-to guide. I'm going to give you a breakdown of a couple of vital key points all around HMOs that you might not be getting taught from free content online and you might have to normally pay for. So I'm going to give you it for free. Okay, so let's just get this camera looking a bit better. Um, If you're looking at this or watching this on YouTube, uh, it will look a little bit better now. Straighten up the camera. So in no particular order, With HMOs, you've obviously got to consider location. Now, you've also got to consider location dependent upon the type of person who's going to rent these properties. So, for example, you've got student HMOs. Obviously, it needs to be close to a college or a university. Pretty obvious. But you've got professional HMOs. Now, I've got quite a few of these in Gateshead. So, Gateshead's not the centre of Newcastle. I've got some in the centre of Newcastle. I've got some in Jasmine and Heaton. But... They're more student areas, but Gated works really well for, for professional HMOs. So if it's generally within a five, max 10 minute walk to the city centre, you should be okay. There's obviously variables to all of this. Five to 10 minutes from Newcastle city centre, you could be in a really rough part, so you need to be careful. You don't want them too rough, obviously. If it's the roughest of the rough, if it's like you know, Cranesville, and there's loads of shit going on, then you need to obviously be careful. But um, my ones in Gateshead work because they're either a five or a couple of minute bus journey into the city centre or a five to 10 minute walk. So as long as it's beside uh, city centres or reasonably close, reasonably close to a university, or the other one is hospitals. 
So I've got a few nurses and a few my, a few of mine, a couple of people who are on contracts and um, who work in the hospitals. They work as well. So location is obviously important um, and dependent upon the market that you're targeting at. Depends upon where you're going to where you're going to purchase. So when you let's say you've maybe found an area, one thing you've got to check online. And depend upon the council it's in, but it should just all be online. It certainly is in the northeast. Is you need to check the Article Four area in your area. So generally, well, in your Castle Council, for example, there's a map of where the Article Four direction applies to. So Article Four, if you don't know what that is, is a restriction on the land, which basically means the council don't want HMOs in that certain area. So in your Castle City Council's Article 4 map, it's literally a map of the city and it's got an outline around it and it's coloured in that particular area where they don't want HMOs or there might already be too many HMOs in that area. So it doesn't mean you definitely can't get a HMO licence in an Article 4 area. I've only ever heard of a handful of times where they've managed to get a HMO licence in an Article 4 area, but ideally you don't want to be trying to do a HMO in Article 4. So check your council website, wherever it is you're looking to buy and see if it is Article 4. Some councils don't even have it. Gateshead doesn't have it, for example. Northumberland doesn't have it. But you need to check that out, right? So check that out. And ideally, you want it outside of the Article 4. If it's inside the Article 4 and the property already has a HMO license, that's called grandfather rights, okay? So that means if it's already got a license and you buy it off someone who's already got a license, they should give you the license. There's no deference in this game. It's property, but they should give you the license, which then means it's, it's obviously just a switch of license, a new owner. Um, if it doesn't have a HMO license and it's in Article 4 and you want to get a HMO license, you have to get planning permission. You have to apply to the council. And it's a strong chance it's getting knocked back, but it has been overturned. I have heard of people getting them overturned and getting the license. Just be wary of that. So when you're looking at location, make sure it's close to uni, schools, hospitals, um, and it's not in an Article 4, ideally. Or it's got grandfather rights, it's already got a license, right? That's what you need to consider with uh, your location. So then if you look at the actual property, so you then need to determine, are you going to do a four bed, five bed, six bed, ten bed? What are you going to do? If it's already a HMO, make sure that it complies. Um, and things that there's a couple of little tricks on this. So I've done a video on the Instagram about this, about uh, four beds. So four bed HMOs are great because generally, again, depending upon your council, but generally the rules are different when you get to five bedrooms and, and above. Soundproofing generally kicks in, fireboarding of the walls it, it generally kicks in, additional carbon and smoke alarms generally kick in sound testing, all of these extra things kick in. When you start to get above eight to 10 bedrooms, again, depending on your council, sometimes you need two kitchens, sometimes you need larger communal areas. Um, there's loads of extra things, but this is literally different per council. So there's generally a HMO officer in every council, and there's generally a document online which outlines all of the different things. So some of the key things that you need to look out for is room sizes. So you'll have your standard room sizes um, per council, but then also varies. Like, like I say, guys, this is not straightforward. Don't just be looking to buy a property and thinking, yeah, I'll put some students in, it's HMO. There is a lot to it. So for example, if it's two people staying in a bedroom, so a couple maybe, um, the room size has to be bigger. If you don't have a communal area, 
the room sizes have to be bigger. You've got across the bridge, are you putting en suites in there? If it's over three stories and it's over a certain amount of bedrooms, there might be two kitchens you need to put in there. Sometimes you can get away with carbon monoxide and smoke alarms in the landings and the communal areas. Sometimes it's every bedroom. Sometimes heat detectors in the kitchen. Most occasions it is actually, but sometimes not. Fire doors in every bedroom and the communal areas. Sometimes not. Generally, I put them in all of my, in every door just to be safe. With the intermittent strips in around the doors, um, you've got to consider things like the size of your kitchen and the size of your communal areas. So some councils will literally say it has to be above this square meterage. The, the bedrooms need to be above this square meterage. If it's a single person staying in a room or two people staying in a room, generally different sizes. If it's an ensuite, sometimes it can be different sizes. Sometimes if there's not ensuites, my general rule is three people can share one bathroom as a maximum. I wouldn't try and do four people sharing one bathroom. That's pretty grim, to be honest. But you can't get away with it. But again, each council is different. You need to check all of this because you don't want to plow a load of money into buying the property. You cost to purchase and refurb it all and find out it doesn't meet the regulations. The HMO officer comes out and says, well, actually, you don't meet the criteria here. You need to spend another five grand, 10 grand doing whatever is the last thing you want to do, right? You need to check things like um, fire exits as well. Over a certain amount of bedrooms and over a certain amount of floors, sometimes you need wired in smoke alarms. Sometimes you need a wired in a full-on sprinkler system. Um, fire extinguishers at the top, fire blankets and all of these things. You need a proper risk assessment done from a, a fire regulation point of view. Um, there's a lot to consider, guys, right? This is not straightforward. Um, but once you learn it, you've learned it. And... and always best my view on these things is just cover your back it is always double and triple check with building regulations with councils with hmo officers check your regulations and get them out to your property get them out early before you even start the work and say this is what i'm planning on doing what do i need to do what would you be happy with is there anything i need to consider just cover your back build a relationship with the hmo officer in your council especially if you're going to be buying volume Get them out and get ask them questions, learn from them. And, you know, don't cut corners and do what they ask you to do because then the day you never want to get yourself in trouble. It's not worth it. Property's a long game, not a short game, right? So um, get them out, work out what the what they want and what they need and carry it out, yeah? En-suites have kind of covered, but, you know, I've generally put on suites. I don't know if, if you can see this on video. Imagine if that's the shape of the room, if it's a rectangle, right? You just generally put a little on suite in the corner, right? So it doesn't need to be a full length of a room, anything crazy. It can just be a little one in the corner. You're only talking a sink, a toilet, and a shower cubicle. It doesn't need a bath. You can even get sinks on top of toilets, right? To save even more space. And they really do not need to be big. You just need to be usable. Okay, things like knowing your spec. So if it's a social housing, HMO, for example, it needs to be pretty basic. If it's students, it doesn't need to be as nice as if it was a high-end professional HMO, co-living, for example, or if it's professionals in certain areas, maybe it's London, you'd need a nicer spec to 
the Midlands, maybe. I didn't want to say Newcastle there because I, I can't shoot down my, my hometown. But there's parts in Newcastle where you don't need a high-end HMO and there's parts where you do, right? If it's Jesmond, you probably want to do a nice aspect to no disrespect to Gateshead or to Heaton, but you probably generally need nicer in, in Jesmond, right? You get my drift. Know your market. Know who you're trying to target. Know who's going to be renting these type things and do your refurb and your furnishings and your spec accordingly, yeah? It's going to be clever about these things. In terms of working out the demand, so what I've always done on everything that I buy, to be quite honest, even buy to lets and HMOs and SA, certainly more so uh, Airbnbs and, and uh, HMOs, I'll check the comparables, I'll check the competition, I'll check the spec. So if it's HMO, you can go on spareroom.com and you can look on there about uh, and try and find out what the competition is like. So, for example, if you look on spareroom.com in Jesmond in Newcastle, there's probably going to be loads of high-end HMOs, right? So you have a decision to make. Do you want to compete with the high-end or do you want to compete with the lower end? Or do you want to be somewhere in the middle? And you've got to price, you know, when you're looking at your numbers for rental income, you've got to work a, work a comp out from something that's similar, right? Or similar to what you're going to create. Do you want to be the best of the best and charge a premium? Do you want to be just above the average, charge a little bit of a premium? Or do you want to be competing with the lowest and, and, and going for the lowest um, rental income that you can get um, to keep your costs down and your refurb, right? There's no right and wrong answer there. It depends upon your strategy. depends upon your location and what you're looking to create, right? But you've got to check your demand. Me personally, I always try and I don't normally go for high end, but I look at the average, right? And I try and be a bit better than the average. Because there's more people, in my opinion, looking for middle of the road than there is for the higher end. That's just what I do. Okay. So check your demand. You've got to check things like what I suppose tying this in with, with sort of spec is your furnishing. So when you furnish your HMO, it doesn't need, I mean, we done this at the start. We put all the bedroom, uh, the beds in, the wardrobes, bedside tables, TVs. Uh, we dress the beds, we'll put bedding on, we'll put cushions on. If there was a sofa or a desk, we we'll, we'll furnished it, right? Took a really nice photograph. But what we found is when the tenant moves out in six months or 12 months' time, because you have got a higher turnover of tenants, by the way, on HMOs, um, the bedding was wrecked and the cushions were wrecked, right? So I put replace them. So what we generally do now is on one bedroom, we'll stage it, take the photograph with all the bedding and it all looking fancy and lovely. But then we'll take the bedding away, and when someone rents it, they, put, they generally bring their own bedding anyway. And if they ruin it, we don't need to replace it. So each bedroom will take a nice photograph with a, of a fully staged bedroom. And uh, obviously when the tenant moves in, we'll take the bedding off. So they've still got the bed, they've still got the bed, the wardrobe, the TV and everything else. But they don't have the bedding, right? Just a little tip there. Um, but know your market, know your spec. You don't need to go high end. I mean, some of our furniture has B&M, Dunelm. B&Q, Ikea, you know, it doesn't need to be like mega furniture. Obviously, if you're going for high-end HMOs, but you've got to consider wear and tear on these things. It's generally higher wear and tear. It's generally higher turnover because if these are students, a lot of them like to drink, a lot of them like to party. Um, if it's contractors, maybe they generally don't take care of the place very well. Um, generally quite, quite dirty and quite um, high on the wear and tear. Uh, if that's your market, but knowing your market determines your spec, right? You don't need to overspend on these things. And I suppose my last point is management. 
So um, you need either, it's, I would recommend personally, getting someone who specialises in managing HMOs in your area, because it is very different to managing buy-to-lets. Completely different, in fact. There's a lot of extra regulation, extra things that they need to do. So have that in mind when you manage. And generally, the management is a little bit higher than your buy-to-let management in terms of a percentage of rent. So maybe to get a, a specialist uh, managing agent in your location to manage the property. No harm in ringing them in advance of it as well. You know, so before you finish the refurb, ask them for their opinion. Build a bit on on rent that is. Build a bit of a relationship with them, and ask them about what you think this would rent for. Is it a good area? What should I do? What shouldn't I do? Do I need an ensuite? Do I not? What could it get? What What's the common things that you know you 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 see and you you hear tenants asking for or needing? Try and build that into yours, right? It's being clever about your, your, your business because being a property investor is a business. It's not a proper, proper business, but it is a business, right? Um, so have that in mind. You know, there is a lot to learn with HMOs. They are more difficult than buy-to-lets. They are a better return than buy-to-lets. It's higher. It's a higher ROI. It's a higher yield. And it's a better return on your money. Like I say, even with high interest rates and even with high utility bills, these still produce a lot more cash flow than buy-to-lets, but they are a lot more hassle. So I'm coaching a lot of my, my coaching clients and helping a lot of my coaching clients get into HMOs now because some of them have got money and they want to invest in property, but their aim and their goal is cash flow. So if your aim or goal is cash flow, then HMOs are better than buy-to-lets. If your aim is not cash flow, it's aim is building a legacy, it's building assets and you don't want hassle, then maybe HMOs aren't for you. But there's a lot to consider and you don't want to get one of these wrong. If you get a refurb wrong, like it can be 50, 60 grand down the pan. It's not a, you know, a 10, 20 grand refurb of a buy to let. They are more complicated and there's a lot of moving parts to HMOs. So when you do it, make sure you got it right. If you're unsure what to do, make sure you get a decent mentor who's done HMOs like myself, who knows what they're doing. Um, don't get an investor who, you know, don't get a mentor or a coach who hasn't done many HMOs because probably going to set yourself up for a fail. So be cautious of that. Go slow at the start. Do a couple. Do one at a time and do a couple before you start to ramp them up. Just like you would do anything, right? Learn the ropes first before you start to... Learn that walk before you start to run, if that makes sense. So um, hope you enjoyed that. That is my how-to guide of uh, how to do HMOs. Remember, if you know someone else who's getting into HMOs, who wants to be a HMO landlord, who's talked about the money of friends maybe or someone else you know is an investor... Send this podcast to them. You can share it on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Ping it across to them. Hopefully it'll help them out and it's helped you too. Don't just take notes, take action.